0: Hello and welcome back to a new episode of New Books in East Asian Studies, a podcast channel of New Books Network. I'm Bing Wang, one of the hosts of this channel. Joining us today is Kathleen Birkinshire, a Japanese American author and a daughter of a Hiroshima survivor. She has given talks at the UN, and many other, on many other occasions regarding atomic bombing uh, and nuclear war survivor's experience. Her book, The Last Cherry Blossom, what we're gonna talk about today, tells a story through a 12 year old girl's eye to show us the horror of atomic bombing and reminds us of the urgency of the prohibition of nuclear weapons. But it is also a heartwarming novel to try to comfort us, especially the survivors, with the genuinely crafted storytelling. Let's now welcome Catherine.
1: Hello, Catherine. Hello, being How are you?
0: I'm fine. I'm fi- finally, we can... We can, can we? do the interview. We arranged yes. it for a few times. This and is also, wonderful. Yeah, thank and you also, for having I, me. Um, I also heard that you have you just experienced a storm
1: at home. Yes, we had had um, pieces of Hurricane Ian. It was thankfully a tropical storm by the time it got here to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, but it was still very rainy and quite miserable. <laughs> Not as bad as what they had in 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 the south, though we were very lucky in that respect.
0: I'm I'm just glad that we we can, we can do this even after the storm. Yes. Uh, I just so now and um, did you mind introduce you, if I ask you to introduce yourself to the audience a
1: bit? Sure. Sure. Um, Well, as Bing had mentioned, I am a Japanese American author. I'm a second generation hibakusha. Uh, My mother was born in Hiroshima, uh, and my father was born in the United States. He uh, was a white American, and he met my mom when he was in the service over in Japan. Um, The the reason that I started writing, I think, was more so for my daughter. Uh, She was the one that came home in seventh grade really upset, wanting me to talk about uh, my mother. She had said that they barely covered what happened in World War II, but she overheard some kids talking about that cool mushroom cloud, and she wanted me to talk about the people under it, uh, such as her grandmother. And that really uh, is what started me on this path. Um, During this time, I'm also a... uh, I suffer through reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which is a chronic neurological uh, pain disease that affects the sympathetic nervous system and the immune system. This has been attributed to, uh, in part, to the radiation that my mother was exposed to uh, in the atomic bombing. And so trying to work through this at the same time, learning more about my mother's past Um, when she finally did share memories with me and being able to talk to students all over the world uh, the past six years has been such uh, a gift. Um, They have been able to understand and make that connection with someone, with a person, with humanity um, under those clouds. And in that, that way starts them thinking more about nuclear disarmament. And from doing the book, It then led to the United Nations choosing The Last Cherry Blossom as a uh, UN Office of Disarmament Affairs student and teacher education resource and invited me in 2019 to be able to speak at the United Nations um, to many teachers. uh, And from that, it also led to being invited to Um, NHK Japan for some of the shows that they've had there. They came to the home and being able to spread my mother's story a little bit further. And I've also been working a lot with the International Center for Multigenerational Legacies of Trauma. I'm on the advisory council there. Uh, And through that, we are working to bring awareness um, about the second generations and the third generations. They started with the Holocaust uh, then Japanese internment, and we're working with nuclear uh, weapons being used. And the effect, um, once the, the person who was the main victim, once they pass away, it's still there with the second and third generations. And so working through this, I've also had the opportunity to be involved with the Global Alliance for Sustainable Peace and Prosperity for All, which is through Hiroshima, Japan. I'm on their steering committee there, um, And especially in light of having the Treaty for the Prevention of Nuclear Weapons, uh, being able to work with them and talking about victims' rights and being able to get more of the message out of the need to have nuclear disarmament has been very important. Uh, I've had the honor of working with the group May Peace Prevail on Earth, which was originally started in Japan, Um, and they've invited me to be able to speak on my mother's behalf and how it affects myself and they've invited my daughter to be a part of that as well. It's been um, an amazing way to connect with people where I always go back to my mom for saying I don't know why anyone would care about a little girl in Hiroshima. And so from that little girl in Hiroshima. Um, has allowed me to have this opportunity. And thankfully for virtual, I'm able to do a lot of this because physically I wouldn't always be able to travel. So it has really been um, a journey that I didn't expect uh, the turns that it was going to take, but I'm very grateful to, to be able to work with people for nuclear disarmament now um, and using my mother's story uh, to make them realize that it could easily happen to them. I hope I didn't go too off base with that. I'm sorry.
0: I I think I I think I, I'm a bit surprised that, to learn that um, all these kind of how to say all these pain you are experiencing now actually wasn't a result uh, from from the bombing um, because you've told me. In our communication saying oh you've been suffering a lot from this spine roll and also needs to go to have surgeries um often and i just feel like this this talking about this book sometimes i find that i maybe mean, needs to be careful to because this is quite a traumatic experience for you. And how did you get to learn all these pain were from, were were the result of the bombing? Uh,
1: did your well, mother tell you or? Well, actually it was when I was 31, I had been very sick um, and I was in the hospital for a month. and at the end of that is when the doctors realized that I had, uh, they gave me that diagnosis of RSD and the specialists were trying to do checks and they noticed my immune system was severely depleted. And they started asking more questions about my mother and, you know, with the radiation and they really feel that that was then passed on to me. Um, And my mother, I felt really bad because she felt guilty, which she shouldn't have felt guilty. It wasn't her fault. Um, it's just what happens. And um, and that's really when she started to tell me more about what happened to her on August 6th. Prior to that, I didn't know very much. Um, I, I just knew she, was, she lost her family in Hiroshima um, to the bombing, but she never wanted to talk about it, nor did she ever want me to mention it to anybody else. So when they gave that diagnosis, that was when I realized the career that I worked hard for, I I used to deal with physician hospitals, uh, organizations, and I couldn't do that anymore, and that I would eventually need a wheelchair. And my daughter was four at that time, and that's when I became very depressed and despondent. I really didn't know how I was going to keep going. And that's when my mom started to talk to me about what happened. And she told me that she wanted me to know this, because she had planned to kill herself months after the bombing because of the, all the people she lost, but she was so glad she didn't because she now had me and my daughter to love. So she told me I had that same blood also running through my veins and that I would find the strength to find my new way. So, um, it is really an interesting turn of events and how situations and circumstances. Um, I don't know if my mother would have ever told me what she went through if I hadn't gotten sick. Um, So it it has definitely been a struggle of trying to work through this, but I think the emotional piece of it with the anxiety that comes along with traumatic illness, um, knowing that her strength is still with me means a lot and helps me to try to push forward, like from this latest spinal surgery in February and the complications and having to learn to walk again and using a walker. It's, it's been a very difficult time this particular year. Um, but being able to talk to students, um, being able to hear what they're getting about peace, what they're getting about nuclear disarmament, that helps to kind of buoy me along through all of this. Um, And it gives me a chance to kind of visit with my mom every time I talk about her and with wonderful people such as yourself uh, on these days. Uh,
0: Then I hope this book, The Last Cherry Blossom could be a really great comfort. I think first, at first it's a great comfort for you, I would say, because when I was reading the story, if it's sometimes i forgot it's about it's it's a story kind of post war story it's more like you know peop, the char- characters and especially Yuliko. i can i i i feel that she was kind of a very a very strong a very brave girl growing up, and, you know, I really enjoyed the communication, the conversation she had with her friends. It's, it's very warm scenarios. I can't really want to spoil it a lot. So I felt like I, I actually want to know how you would balance the fiction fiction bit and the reality, like,
1: won't you be kind of triggered and it it was difficult especially when I had to ask my mom maybe for clarification for something and when she would describe the scene Um, because for part of the book obviously like the exact conversations had to be changed but I could get a sense of my mother's loving relationship with her papa and with her friend and so when my mother would have to describe uh, a a horrible scene, like at August 6th, um, it was hard for me to see her because my mother didn't normally cry in front of people. Um, And to see her look as if she was watching it for the first time all over again, and, and the emotion in her voice and the tears, it was like she was 12 all over again. And it was hard for me to see that But then we would start talking about some of her happier memories to kind of counteract that. And she wanted me to know that it was also good for her to be able to talk about it. And, um, but at the same time, she knew it would be hard for me because when I wrote the book, I wanted to put myself, if I was 12, how would my feelings be to add that special emotion to it? And those chapters were very hard to write. Um, I could only write them like maybe a couple of days, and then I'd have to take like a week or so off because it would be triggering for me and it would cause more pain because the emotional stress would then cause pain. So it's been, it was a slower process, but when I finished it, my mother got to read one of the drafts and she was so pleased to see that, um, the way that I could try to also show her as a normal child. You know just like any child anywhere in the world um, that happened to go through something very traumatic um, and it was cathartic for me because a lot of the major edits had to be done after she had passed away so it was a way of trying to uh, grieve for my mom uh, and be able to put that emotion into the words in the book
0: but it's been, but it's a good result I think and and I think that's why it's been cho- chosen as a, a you know a book to for teaching resources now. Um,
1: Thank you. Yes i i I wanted to write something that wasn't out there before. I wanted to kind of give them the feel of the culture on the mindset at that time, uh, and just what the basic everyday life was in their customs. Because I think when you're able to express to a, a reader the customs, it's, it's almost like un, unspoken dialogue because you get to see the heart of the people, of what they treasure, what they want to look for, what they do, um, and, and what their beliefs are. But I also wanted to give readers a chance to understand how much they were similar You know, they, during war, they worried about their family, you know, they loved their family and friends and they wished for peace. And that is the exact same thing that the allied children were thinking and feeling. And I really wanted to bring that and that teachers have said that that has helped a lot because there wasn't anything really about that. And with my mother being 12, it gave a way for those students to kind of resonate with her and relate to what she might be going through. You know, her things about she didn't like homework and she didn't, you know, it, it really helped. them. And, and I appreciate how you said that you could feel that in the story um, and, and the warmness that I was trying to bring with it as well. Uh, and, and her love for her Papa and her friend um, and the strength you know, she never gave herself, my mother never gave herself credit for having so much strength. And um, I really wanted to show how much she did have um, in the book.
0: I Yeah, I think that kind of, kind of bonding between uh, during the wartime actually helped them, maybe helped her go through those difficult days
1: has that has she mentioned that to you as well yes yes because she's when she was born in 1932 japan um had invaded manchuria and they were at war so she didn't know anything but war but what she said that helped is that um you know her family her papa and her friend to kind of keep her grounded you know giving her something other something else to think about other than the planes that would fly overhead or running into the bomb shelter. Um, There were, there are other good pieces. She, she did say that she loved where she grew up. um, And it was her papa and her best friend that made it the most for her. And um, thank you for, for seeing that in there. That means a lot to me
0: i think i think i saw that a lot quite these little details in the book very often like the conversation you know with friends yeah so that's why i i saw this book not just about war it's more about you know humanity as you say it's a connection try to reconnect with the humanity through your writing and through the story and personal experience um and then because because like well our channels most of most of the book discussed in this channel or in the new books channel are academic books uh, however because my personal um phd project is i adopted like also auto, auto ethnography type of uh so it's quite a bait. So most of the data actually comes from my own. I would say I would kind of coined it as awakening of my identity. So 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 I would quite resonate with those personal experiences in in any kind of books. Um, so I always instantly reflected. Oh, that could also be an autoethnographic uh, work for like. You know, nuclear disarmament, you know, a lot of other, polit- yeah, as you say, with political discussions, you know. Um, I just wonder, you know, what kind of message about this nuclear disarmament that makes you want to write the book as well?
1: I think. One of the main things for me is that um, if I'm talking about uh, the younger students from uh, middle school, high school, and and in college, is that they're not really going to care about the statistics, and they're not really going to care about the treaties, which are very important to talk about, and I do. But what they're going to care about is if they can connect with something, with someone, if... um, Because I really feel that when people talk about sometimes historical fiction or history books, oh, that happened 77 years ago. How does that apply? Well, aside from the fact that we still have these weapons of destruction, it still applies because no matter how much time passes and technology can change, like being able to do this with you on a laptop and, you know, but that need for human connection is timeless. And I think if we're able to do that, and we can connect with that person, that we can, the the future voters can can understand the type of trauma that has happened, the homes they've lost, the you know the physical and the emotional scars that they carry for the rest of their lives, and that carries on in their families. That's what's going to make them think about nuclear weapons and why they can't be used. Um, and I find it so scary right now because of what's happening in Ukraine um, and how threats can still be made saying that nuclear weapons could be used after they know the horror that they have inflicted twice. And um, the, the best that I can do is keep bringing the story in the heart because I think that's what's going to connect people the most to then want to look into, well, how do we do this? How does that treaty work? How can we get to our politicians? How can we um, I hope to kind of be that little bridge that can do that. I'm not a politician and I'm not, you know great with how those things work, but I really, truly feel that we all have emotions. we all connect, and we are not that different from each other, you know, in that respect at all.
0: Have you been able to meet other? survivors of the bombing or even are like Holocaust survivors
1: and in- um, the one time I did have um, an opportunity to meet a second gen hibakusha which is like myself when I went to the United Nations um, I was able to meet Michi Takuchi and she's actually did a documentary with Setsuko Thurlow who is an actual Hiroshima survivor. She's actually not far off from the age my mom was at the time. My mom was, I think she was around 12 herself too. Um, So being able to meet her in person was the very first time I met anyone like me or anyone that could relate to what I grew up with. And it was so wonderful feeling that, um, that I wasn't alone. Um, And uh, I have been able to listen to Setsuko Thurlow. Uh, I've been on a a webinar with her, but um, I haven't had a chance to talk to really to too many other survivors at all, other than my mom. I've read a lot about them, but it's the second generation that I've started to have a chance of getting to know. And it has been very helpful for me, especially since my mom's no longer here, um, when somebody else can say, I understand how you're feeling or, you know, my mom used to do this too because there's a lot of things that I, when you're young, you don't understand why your parents are acting the way they're acting, especially if they don't talk about it at all. Um, And watching her deal with her PTSD symptoms and her um, depression and not thinking what it could possibly be, you know, thinking it's you or yourself that did something, and you know, it, it was very hard to kind of go from that. And then finally, when she tells me in my thirties what she went through, things start to click. And then, then you know, our relationship was so much closer at that point. And I, I, I wish that she, you know, she could have done it sooner. But um, mostly, I've met up with other second generation. Um, Baksha. I th- I think you I so agree with you on saying like,
0: you know, in terms of humanity, if we we can kind of know different from each other in terms of suffering or anything, because you know, as a Chinese myself, and you know, in our history, <laughs> Japan is never described in the, you know, in the how to well, I Don't want to, but any yeah it's in, uh, but we forgot that um, the Japanese people at the time when the wartime also were experiencing similar things, horror things, to us. So, but we never really cared, or or sometimes pain. The pain is too overwhelming to. To make you notice, others are also uh, in are also suffering, and and I think it's also about the power play in each political system as well. Like we're all, you know, now it's kind of resources as scarce and you also mentioned like the Russian and Ukraine world war, you know, suddenly happened without no reason <laughs> even. Well well maybe we shouldn't comment anyway, but so I think go back to the book and it's really I, I think it's really also a timely work. I think it should be known to other people um how 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 much pain the these these um uh, these Kind of weapons have brought to people, and everyone is is may may face the risk. And in what type of? Because you mentioned technology as well, yeah, like AI, and um, you know they all can become weapons. So it's also a timely reminder of humanity, like being alert to these new. Weapons.
1: Yes. Very, very much so. And to to remind them that there are, you know, families that are dealing with this. Um, they're not just what you know, you I think what's tough is with the sound bites that we get today in the news, it's it's quick sometimes for some people to demonize one side versus the other. But but that's not true. And I think with the war as well in Japan, I wanted to separate the people from the leaders and the military people. You know, um, my mother had said that war was hell for both sides, and she knows they weren't the only ones that suffered. And they also, at times, suffered from their own military and and what was given them as as you were talking about the news that you get or the propaganda of what's being told. Um, And so... That's why I'm so glad that you say that about getting the the humanity story out there, because it's too easy sometimes to just say, well, it's all the way over there, but that doesn't matter because, and and you touched upon that briefly by saying, you know, it will affect us, even if it's over there. The type of um, bomb that they have now will definitely, the smoke that it'll create, Will cover, you know, we'll go up into the stratosphere and will block some of the sunlight, which will then in turn affect everybody else around the world and how things are grown. And um, and my my other fear too is an accident. Somebody thinking a bomb is coming this way, and so they send one. And how easy these kind of mistakes can be made, um, or hacked into. You know, as you were saying with AI. I mean, um, and so. I worry for my daughter and the, the generations that come after I, and I'm angry because I, I don't understand after knowing what these can do, how, how can you even say that we could use that? Um, it just, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me, which is why I appreciate you wanting to talk about the last cherry blossom and, and the need to get, stories like that out there so people can understand that this is just not like a war on a video game. Uh, There are real people that are suffering. There are real people who are worrying about just how to get through the next hour. Um, and, And to then have this out there about using a nuclear weapon on top of it is just horrifying to me.
0: Hi. Yeah, I I think I I was I think I felt like for, for the, you know I I always felt it was missing that we didn't really get to see much, work on, um, work of you know work on Japanese people during wartime. Because you know because they you know Japan lost in, and and I think. In, in my country, it was definitely not not a good place to I oh, was well, sure, have sure that I understand many yes. publication and, and the stance of you know it is it, it was a crime anyway it was a war crime crime to you know for but obviously it doesn't it didn't really happen without some reasons I would say. Um, you know humanities I was still because I was still related back to the you know the greediness of humanity rather than you know which country is strong or you know even power is has the connection with the, the the I don't know how to describe it properly um but I think in the book you know, I find it interesting to learn that each chapter, at the beginning of each chapter, there was always a quote or a line headline from the news, from the news, from the radio program, or from some kind of document documented materials. I'm just wondering where did you achieve, the, uh, hold, uh, get access to them, and did you? Did you need to uh, visit some places
1: to get those things? Um, Well, that is a very good question. And one of the reasons um, I knew I needed to show the passage of time, and I didn't want to have to always say what day it was. I also then thought, since my mom's papa owned a newspaper company, that using headlines would be a great way to do that, to kind of show the impending of what was coming or or try to tie it in with the chapter. But then I found trying to find things that were written in English (laughs) of the Japanese um, uh, printing that was going on during the war was a lot harder. So I had to really search through some, um, actually, eBay had a lot of books that were translated about daily life in Japan, had a couple anyway, um, that were weeded out by other libraries. So I was able to go through that. And then um, I couldn't use just newspaper headlines because I didn't have enough. And that's when I went to looking up, uh, researching some of the propaganda posters or uh, in some of the research books, they would talk about the news hour and how that they would have these slogan contests and things like that. Um, And the, the great thing about that is that when the Japanese translation was being done, the people at the publishing company at Hope Chupan were so wonderful because they obviously have access to the Japanese newspapers at that time. And so they were able to replace a couple things with something even better that was more specific that I was trying to go for, but I couldn't. Um, But they also ended up, which was such a big compliment, they ended up keeping quite a lot of the ones that I had chosen. Uh, And it was, um, they really appreciated uh, too that I would put that type of information in there. And to me, it was the biggest compliment and honor when they wanted to translate it because, um, you know, it, it's their country. It was my mother's country that went through it. And, and to know that they felt that I touched upon something meant so very much to me. Um,
0: yeah. Um, and I heard because the they're going, there was going to be a, a Japanese version of the
1: book. Yes, it came it, out on August 12th. And, um, it's very, very exciting. And the translator, um, Yoshida Chiyoko did a beautiful job, um, in trying to bring out the same feeling in the heart from the book in doing the translation. I I had someone who I, I can't read Japanese, unfortunately, but, um, someone who I know had looked at it too. And they had been so kind in, in bringing her story and, you know, my mom always had a special place in her heart for Japan. I mean, she ended up coming here because of her marriage um, and becoming a U.S. citizen, but she never gave up that piece of her that was still Japan. And to know that it was in her native language now, um, I know she would be happy about that. And uh, it's one of the best things that has happened since uh, the last cherry blossom came out here in the States is to know that it's, over in Japan and that other students will be able to read about it. Um, And I'll be visiting virtually some schools in Japan as well. And it's, um, I've worked with the Hiroshima Middle School for quite a while now, and it's been a wonderful experience to be able to do that and to know that it's opening up to much more students uh, in Japanese. I
0: actually quite curious about their response you know, Japanese people's response to the book like um because because actually from my perspective I or from the propaganda propaganda like messages like we receive, it's it felt like they for, they forgot about the war or they tend not to talk about it obviously and so I just wondering how they their reception to the book
1: so far, from what I've seen from reviews, is that they are they are I don't know how to say it is correct. They are liking it, not necessarily enjoying, but they 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 appreciate what was written about that, and I think that makes me very happy that I spent so much time researching, trying to get it right so that when they read it, they would see it would make sense. And, you know, they do mention it in schools. But again, it's kind of like here, you know, they, they don't talk a lot about it. Obviously, the schools around Hiroshima, you know, being your Peace Park and, and that that always um, helps. But they were finding that sometimes students, you know, they hear about it, but they don't really know uh, any more about it. And there's there's a conspiracy of silence kind of, too, I think, from the like a... After the bombing itself, they couldn't really talk about it you know um, of course with the occupation forces there they weren't allowed to they um, but even later on by mentioning it there was such a stigma that was associated with that and um, but now I think there's an opportunity to want to learn more about it you know to and the publishing company felt that it was a good time for the book to come out. Um, and I'm just happy if I can do anything for, you know, one class, you know, one student, if that does something and it touches them.
0: I, I add to me, I think, I think these kind of stories based on personal experiences, um, it's really helpful to open up a new way to look at our history instead of just kind of officially approved Material so, so I I think I very appreciate that kind of work you've you've done and you'll still be doing maybe. So so I think I I hope others will enjoy that story and start to look at history as in a different angle. Um. And I think it's quite important for us to critically evaluate these events to some extent because as you say, you know, even the publisher felt it was timely and you know, we just need to keep an open mind on these things rather than just label them as something very concrete. Um, I I think that's how I I always want to talk to someone um, kind of have that kind of experience because we can only see what, what we're able to have access to.
1: Exactly. To get the other perspective. Um, and I think there's, we need more of that because there's so much history of various countries that are not talked about in school. So they don't learn about these. They don't understand. And I think if we did that, you know, we might have a better chance of not repeating the same kind of horrible mistakes um, throughout history. um, That's there. And uh, I, I think I really appreciate that that's how you want to look at different perspectives too. And because that's how I feel. And that's why I'm so glad that I could do a small piece towards that. Um, And I'm, currently working on, uh, the sequel to The Last Cherry Blossom. And, uh, it's about four years after the bombing where, um, my mother is now living with a new family person, um, and trying to deal with what they did not have then as PTSD of her, you know, she had a lot of survivor guilt. She also, um, was kind of reckless with how she was because she didn't understand why she was still alive and you know didn't think that she should be so she took chances that she probably shouldn't have Um, and she had a a lot of tough times trying to deal with that whether being friends again how to move on um, being having the prejudice about people like if you say you're from Hiroshima, they physically would take a step away from her thinking that, you know, no one understood radiation. So they just thought that, you know, if they got too close, they would get it. Um, uh, so I'm trying to put that into that as well, as well as the silence that came because of the censorship um, and how it was like for her to be in Tokyo where the majority of the occupation uh, soldiers were, um, especially the conspiracy of silence piece. Cause I think it, it was very hard that a lot of the wording a lot of the stories of what actually happened did not get out as it should have um, in a timely manner. I feel that if it could have gotten out more right after the war, then maybe you know that would have changed people's minds a little bit. But you, um, victors, control the history. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. That's why I always say as well. <laughs> You you have already answered my last question. Like I wanted, to, yeah, you. I wanted to ask what you've been working on, now, but I'm glad that there'd be a second part of it. And that, I I think that's also answered my another question. Like why you chosen twelve as the yeah as the you know as the character main characters you know start from from twelve.
1: Yes. Yes, and you know that my mother was twelve and a half when that happened. So, um, and and you know when I first talked about this in public to my daughter's class, I had to ask my mother's permission because I never did talk about it. And she told me that one of the reasons that she said yes was because those students would be around the age that she was, and so maybe they would understand her better, being that age, and also they're going to be voters someday. So they'd walk out of that room, you know, knowing that nuclear weapons shouldn't be used again. And so I felt that it was really important for that age, to keep that age range. Um, Because even though she's younger, it's still um, something that I think everyone can relate to with that story, Um, even though the protagonist is younger than uh, Uh, Because you mentioned
0: voter, Um, I'm just wondering if you would concern that your work would become something or would be targeted by some activist, or just how to say, not to promote the usage of the weapon in the end, or
1: oh, okay, so like a, a negative to
0: want to I'm keep just the book. wondering if if you may experience this or not
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I when it first came out and sometimes around August 6 I do get some emails that are not very kind um, and uh, there's still surprisingly you know uh, a, a lot of prejudice or even some hatred and and my the way that I feel is that you know I, I I'm in a unique perspective because my dad was a, a white American and he, we had people in the family that fought you know for America and I really feel that both sides can coexist you know both sides did what they you know thought they should do even for the people who have built the, the atomic bombing they did it out of patriotism they they were doing it for their country um, and their their stories matter but it doesn't negate or, or demonize the people that were under the clouds either, you know? Um, and, and that's what I was really hoping to do is to show that both are important and I'm not trying to say one is more important than the other but we really need to understand the people's stories. Um, I think that's the key for peace.
0: Then I should really hope this interview like to understand more about why you're writing it and the story behind it can help kind of disrupt these prejudice and those like white tealism, you know, all these isms. I, I really do hope it can, yeah, I, it can help the audience and, or the re- and the readers to be more critically evaluate things, um, especially history, I think. Um, I'm really thankful for, for your coming. To join us today and I think maybe we do another one when the second book come out late like soon or is it soon or
1: um well I'm still in the draft stages because it's taken a while between research and my my body's not um, cooperating all the time uh but I'm hoping it'll be out publishing is slow so maybe two years from now um but uh I would definitely love to come back, and I'm very grateful, being that you invited me here today to be able to talk about the the reasonings behind it um, and the work that I'm hoping is is being done from what I'm doing here. So I really thank you very very much.
0: I also I thank you for your time as well, and thank you, thank to the audience who are listening. Um, maybe we see. We see each other sometime soon and maybe just we just say goodbye now because they say
1: hi okay wonderful goodbye thank you so much